What's going on, guys? It's Dave with Dynasty Dorks. It's been about a week since we've been on here, so glad to be back. Tonight, we have a great episode. We are doing a combined rankings of the 2020 and 2021 rookie classes. I really want to see how they, they stack up. Um, when you're in your, your drafts, you're obviously considering the players that are on the board, but you're also considering trading back or trading out or you know making some trades. So we just want to see how these players stack up. Um, last year's class was phenomenal, um, and this year's class definitely there's it lacks in some areas. Um, but I want to see where people, you know, players stack up. Give you guys an idea of player value. And uh, I got two great guys on today. They helped me out with getting some data. We also had some followers and some of my buddies from Twitter uh, help us um, come up with the the top forty eight. And uh, we'll show you guys what we got. First of all, I want to introduce Mike to the show. Thanks for coming on, Mike. I appreciate it, Dave. And uh, you can you can find Mike at FF underscore Dirty Mike. Uh, you got anything going on as far as writing and content? Yeah, so I contribute to Yards Per Fantasy. Uh, it's kind of a small company, but you know, I'm just glad to be a part of it and trying to be out there in the community. Hey, there's some good guys over there at Yards Per, so uh, make sure you guys give them a follow as well. Make sure you guys give Mike a follow. Justin, thanks for coming on, man. Yeah, thanks for having me, Dave. Looking forward to it. Yeah, and you can tell us where we can find you and, and what you got going on. Yeah, so uh, you can find me at JF Hornets 25 on Twitter. I work over with the We Know Fantasy crew, um, kind of a whole gambit of, of sports all the way from NASCAR, golf, and obviously we're kicking into football really quickly here. So um, give us a follow and look forward to – been looking forward to tonight all week. Yeah, man. Uh, this was just an idea I came up with, and and uh, we got the draft going, and I'm super <laughs> excited. But before that, I got an announcement. So if you guys go to viridianglobal.com and use the promo code Dynasty Dorks, you can get 10% off of any player T-shirt, hat, or hoodie. Um, just rocking the V gear. Make sure you guys go check them out. Make sure you guys go give them a follow. Um, you can see a lot of the guys out there that are using it for their brand or just buying stuff because it's just good shirts. Um, awesome stuff. They're really focusing on players right now. Um, and player design. So go check them out, viridianglobal.com. All right. And now we are going to go straight to our board. And I'm going to rip through the first, the top 12, just so you guys can know where we stood. So this was a super flex dynasty rankings. Trevor Lawrence was the 101, Justin Herbert, 102, Joe Burrow, 103, Jonathan Taylor, 104, Justin Jefferson, 105. Justin Fields, 106. Cam Akers, 107. J.K. Dobbins, 108. Trey Lance, 109. Najee Harris, 110. DeAndre Swift, 111. And Tua Tagovailoa as the 112. So, Mike, let's just talk about the first 12 picks. Just pick one guy that stands out, whether he's too high or too low, out of the top 12. I'm going to go with Najee Harris here. Uh, he's a little older prospect. I know, we all know what he did in college, and he's a great talent, great athlete. But we have a stat class from last year that already has proven production. I don't see why he's going in front of DeAndre Swift, for example, or other guys that weren't named that we'll come around to later. So, Yeah, and part of that could be rookie fever. Um, part of it is you know people just really like Najee. Um, but yeah, I, I agree with that one. Uh, Justin, is there anyone on here that's too low or too high in your opinion, just out of the top 12? 
So uh, he's not too high because everybody's everybody's kind of on this train. I am not on the Jonathan Taylor train. So this is not a he's too, he's too high. He is there. Um, I, he has a lot of miles on him from from college, which is doesn't necessarily mean that he's going to break down at any point. But I don't know that I'm going to put a huge amount of stock in the fact that the last six games of the season where the matchups really matched up for him um, and he was, you know, he blew it out of the water him being able to do that over a 17 game season. I think he gets spelled a lot with Marlon Mack back there. Obviously Marlon Mack's coming off an Achilles injury and then Naheem Hines takes much of that passing game. So not too high. I'm just not, I'm just, I'm not real soul. I'm not as high on Taylor as others. Yeah. And when we look at it, you know, Taylor was the RB one out of the, you know, out of the combined two classes. So that's something to look at. So Let's just talk about the first one, Mike. Uh, Trevor Lawrence, probably not much to talk about, but Trevor Lawrence is the 101. Um, any thoughts on, on that? I would like to see Justin Herbert here. I mean, again, like you said, rookie fever, and I'm more of a proven production guy. I think Justin Herbert right now is easily a top 10 startup quarterback, and Trevor Lawrence has yet to prove that. There's a long history of first overall picks busting as quarterbacks in the NFL. Not that Trevor Lawrence is that guy. He's that highly toted player, but Herbert's already proved what he's got. And I just think you should take the proven talent at that point. Yeah, I, I agree. I would have had Herbert here. Um, and then the conversation for me would have started at two between Burrow and um, Lawrence. And uh, Justin, what do, you, what do you think about uh, Herbert going number two? I mean, if you get Herbert number two in a draft like this, I mean, you're—I would be ecstatic. I'm in the same boat as you guys. I would have Justin. I'm a—I'm a Homer Chargers fan, so I think Justin Herbert is like dark horse MVP candidate this year. Or at least I'm hoping he is. Right. So, um, he—you know—I'm a big Herbert fan. I love what Staley's doing. I love what they did with the offensive line in, in LA. Um, the defense should be solid. Staley's bringing over that Rams uh, defensive playbook. So hopefully we can get a healthy year out of Mike, Mike Williams, Keenan Allen, and Austin Eckler, and this offense can really be potent. Yeah, yeah, no, I agree. And then Joe Burrow went number three. And, you know, I was talking about it before the show is, you know, I was doing a, a, doing a show uh, last week, and, and I had, you know, we did a mock draft, and I had the, the option of Joe Burrow versus Trevor Lawrence. And, you know, Trevor Lawrence is a younger prospect. He has, you know, has doesn't have that knee injury with that scar that everyone's talking about. Um, but Joe Burrow obviously proved it and we saw it and then they just added Jamar Chase. So it's really, uh, that was a really difficult one, um, to talk about. So, you know, in your drafts, I'm sure you want to get the, the cheaper guy. Um, but if you look here, you know, if you're a big Joe Burrow fan and you think that, you know, you can buy low on him, obviously you can see right here that he's going after Herbert and after Lawrence. So if you wanted to trade, one of those guys and get Joe Burrow, you obviously can get Joe Burrow plus. And then, um, so we had our first, first non-quarterback go off the board and that was Jonathan Taylor at the one Oh four. Mike, what do you, what do you think about Jonathan Taylor going, going here? Uh, I'm a huge fan of that. I mean, he's RB four right now, startup dynasty and we got him fourth right now uh, in this draft here. I think, you know, I, I mean, we watched him in the second half of last year. I think he can just do it. He can do it all. I didn't see the Naeem Hines, but I think they're just trying to let Jonathan Taylor find his feet. So I don't think Hines is going to have as big as a year this year. I mean, we saw James White have a big year one year. We saw Tariq Cohen have a big year one year. I think that was Naeem Hines' big year. But Jonathan Taylor is now 
going to be the front runner for the Colts. They didn't add any talent to the wide receiver core. They're starting to look like a run first team to me. Uh, Carson Wentz is a big question mark. So, I mean, Jonathan Taylor is this team safety blanket. Yeah, I mean, I've seen him as high as the number two RB or number three RB in Dynasty startups. Um, I, I think they can coexist. I don't think Naheem Hines is going to go away. I think right. he's, you know, he was on the team and had a pretty solid role before Taylor got there. And then after Taylor started going and they, they coexisted. I mean, they both had good games. It does limit a little bit of the Taylor upside because Naheem Hines is featured in the passing game, which is extremely, you know, that's extremely valuable touches when it comes to fantasy, but Jonathan Taylor still gets the goal line work and he still gets the bulk of the work. Um, I just think Hines, Hines is going to go away. And then Mac, we'll see it coming off an Achilles injury. Like Justin alluded to earlier, that's people usually don't do that. So <laughs> we'll see, we'll see if he, if he's able to do it. I don't know. I mean, I, I think it's a lot closer to the next running back um, than, than maybe people think I, I am high on jo- Jonathan Taylor. He's probably my RB one in this group, but I would have, I like the other guys probably just as much. Um, and then the next pick, Justin Jefferson, Justin, what do you think about that one? Yeah. So there's not a, not a whole lot to say here. Justin Jefferson slid right into that Minnesota offense and, and really just filled the shoes of Stefan Diggs and, and probably did a little bit better than Diggs has in that offense. So um, Adam Thielen's hit that 30 year old mark um, where the, the cliff starts to get a little bit steeper on the down downward swing. Um, you know, he, 88 receptions on 125 targets. Does that bump up to 130, 135 targets? And if he potentially catches three more touchdowns to go into double digits, he, you've got a, fan, a wide receiver one. So um, they didn't put anybody else in that wide receiver room. Kyle Rudolph actually is out now. He was one of their red zone targets. So obviously Irv Smith is, we'll talk about, I think, no, Irv, Irv is not on, not in this class. Um, but uh, Irv will get a little bit of a jump in that offense, but maybe Justin Jefferson is is a red zone target more often. Yeah, I mean, this was my pick. Um, you can tell by my Abby. I'm a big Justin Jefferson fan. Um, you know, it was a struggle if I go receiver or if I go with a quarterback here because, again, this is super flex. And for those who are just hopping on, we did a combined rankings of the 2020 and 2021 draft classes. Um, and for me, Justin Jefferson, uh, he would have been my 101. I would have picked him over Jonathan Taylor um, just because receivers have longer value. Um, and that's why I chose him over over my boy, Cam Akers and DeAndre Swift. Those are my guys, and I really wanted to pick them, but I wanted to stay true to my rankings. And Justin Jefferson, for me, he's, you know, he, I would have taken him over Jonathan Taylor. And then in Superflex, it just made it hard because I didn't know if I was going to go him or, or Trey Lance. Um, and then the next pick was actually Mike's pick. Um, so that pick was Justin Fields, and, and I don't hate it. So, I want to just put this out there and, and, you know, I, I had someone on there the other day cause I said, here's my rankings. And, you know, of course everyone loves rankings cause they love to pick that one or two guys that you have one or two spots too wrong, no matter if it's higher or lower. And it means you hate that person. And he said, <laughs> why do you hate him? And I said, listen, if, if the rankings were like one and then two, a two, two B two C two, you know, two D that's fine. But I had a, I had to choose one of one of the guys was my two, one of the guys was my three, and it's Trey Lance. And what the guy was, you know, triggered about is that people are dropping fields because he dropped in the draft. He's gonna be fine for fantasy. He's gonna be in there, he's gonna be, gonna be good. And if you like if you like Justin Fields over Trey Lance and you have the 102, 
you can probably trade back to 103, get a second round pick and and get your boy. Um, but Trey Lance is typically going over fields in, in most of most the drafts that I've done. So, Mike, this yeah. was your pick. Any, any, any extra thoughts on that? Yeah, so I actually wasn't high on him going into the season as in uh, the college season. Um, going into the season, I thought he was our first read quarterback. Um, the Ohio quarterbacks had the reputation of not going, you know, not mixed one to the NFL. Um, and I was pretty big on Dwayne Haskins, so I was kind of burned by that. But um, he ranked in PFF as in this, in this draft class. Uh, he ranked the number one quarterback and not throwing to his first read. So he completely obliterated that whole stigma that I had about him. And the dual threat quarterback, he goes to a system that has A-Rob on it. I'm not a big believer in Matt Nagy, but I think they got some talent on that offensive side of the field. And I think I think he gets the job maybe week two, <laughs> like week two. And uh, I think he can become a real life fantasy asset. And if I can jump in here just for a second, yeah. and one thing that, yeah. I, that I think with Fields um, – what he has to do better than he did at Ohio State is get rid of the ball. So PFF did have a high, high grade on him. He actually does go through his reads well, but he also holds onto the ball way too long. Um, that offensive line is not going to hold up for him in the NFL the way it did at Ohio State. So he's going to have to be better at he's going to be have to have to be better at quickly processing those defenses and, and going through those reads quicker um, to get the ball out of his hands. But if he does that, then I think he's he's going to be perfectly fine. Yeah. Yeah, they were, they were going through that. And I thought it was very interesting to, to talk about how he just holds on to the ball too long. It takes too many sacks. And part of that, you know, I heard heard someone once say, you know, I, I, there's a lot of young running quarterbacks and there's not a lot of old ones. Um, so if he wants to stay in the league a long time, you can't take those hits. Quarterbacks typically get – they're more likely to get hurt on a sack or a broken play than they are on a design run. But when you're staying back in the, in the pocket for too long and taking unnecessary shots, it's going to add up. Plus, it's going to end up being turnovers and things like that. So he's a really tough kid. But yeah, like you said, you got to you know live to play another down sometimes and learn learn when to you know when when it's, you don't need to take a 17 yard sack um, and then you know get hurt whatever. It's all um, about the second contract. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But, but again, you know, back to the Trey Lance versus Justin Fields. I have no problem if someone takes Fields 2 or Lance 2. No problems with that at all. I just, again, with, they're so close to my rankings. I'm just always going to take the cheaper guy. So I would just always trade back to three, and I wouldn't care if I got Fields or Lance because they're just that close to my rankings. Um, so the next pick was Cam Akers. Um, so, Justin, what, what, do you think, what are your thoughts on Cam Akers going as the second running back in this uh, exercise? Well, if Mc, if McFay is not like lying to us blatantly like he usually will tend to do, uh, yeah. Cam Akers is going to be a three down back for them. They did get rid of Henderson, so he's not back there. Um, no, Henderson's still there. I'm sorry, Malcolm Brown is not there anymore. So um, I thought Cam Akers looked amazing at the end of the season. Um, obviously, he's got to stay healthy because he did get banged up taking those 20 to 20 plus touches, but he's a guy in an offense that we know has done fantasy gold for running back. So if he does anything like Todd Gurley did for a two or three year stretch, you're looking at a, a, a monster. So I love Cam Akers talent. He can catch the ball out of the backfield. He runs well. Um, and McVeigh, the McVay offense, he, he, you know, they figured him out a little bit last year, but I think, you know, he's got, he's still a guy that's a top offensive coordinator in this league. Yeah, and he's now got Matthew Stafford, and you know people want to right. know. People throw you know threw it out there. Why did you pay so much to go from Golf to Stafford? Is it really an upgrade? 
Yes, it is. Like when everything goes right, golf is fine and he can get it done. But when things don't go right, you need someone that can make you right. And Matthew Stafford can. He's got – he doesn't have – he's not the most athletic guy. He's not Lamar Jackson or anything like that. But he he can create. He's got good good pocket awareness, good mobility within the pocket. And he can throw from all the different platforms and do a lot of different things that Jared Goff absolutely cannot do. And uh, I think it's going to be an upgrade for everybody. I'm a huge Cam Akers guy. I always like – Cam Akers, for me, was my RB3 last year coming into the draft. Okay. Um, he's 21 years old. 21 years old. Najee Harris is 23 and a half. Like this guy is, this guy's a stud. Um, I, I would, it's between him and Swift for my RB two in this one, mm-hmm. but um, I absolutely love Cam Akers. I think the addition of Matthew Stafford is really going to help him. And McVay is an X factor. He really, really is. He's going to help him out. He switches them up. You know, uh, you can't really predict that too much. So I, I'm with you guys. That's my main concern about Cam Akers. I mean, I like Swift and Gibson over Akers actually, just because of that. Cause I don't, I don't know if Akers will be that guy every game. He'll be there most games, but like those like three or four that he's not, like if I lose because he gets like two points because McVay's being cute with his uh, eyes, I'm gonna be mad. I'm not I'm not worried about that. And I don't think Daryl Daryl Henderson's much. Um we'll see. We'll see. Um, but I, I'm not I'm not afraid of Daryl Henderson. That offensive line needs a little help too. Their best offensive lineman's forty years old, so they do have yeah. to get a little younger on the yeah. offensive line. <laughs> no doubt. Um so the next guy was JK Dobbins. Um so um, this, this is, this is mine. So for me, I thought it was a little rich, Maddie daddy. Um, I do like JK Dobbins, but when we're talking about, um, PPR, I would take Swift over, over Dobbins. Um, I, my two main concerns with him are just Lamar Jackson in the goal line, stealing some, you know, valuable work. Gus Edwards is not going away. He gets plenty of work and just, there's just not a lot of passing in that offense. And that includes the receiver, the running backs. And he was only targeted four four times was the highest he was targeted. It was only two or three times last year. Most of the times he was targeted zero, one, or two times. And 24 targets for the entire – not 24 catches, 24 targets for the entire season last year. That's that's not going to you – know, you're going to need to score a lot of touchdowns uh, to, to be able to keep up with your you know Austin Ecklers, your, your Cam Akers, your – DeAndre Swift, like Swift, I think is going to get a lot more passing work than J.K. Dobbins. And that's why alone, and just, just because of that, he's over Dobbins for me. Um, but I still like Dobbins. Um, I just probably have him the next guy or one after. Um, the next guy on the board, we went back to the quarterback, went Trey Lance. So, Mike, what do you think? What are your thoughts about Trey Lance being the, the fifth quarterback in this exercise? Okay, so – on average, about 40% of first-round quarterbacks are busts. This last class had five. And if I had to pick two to bust, I would say Trey Lance is my number one guy to bust. He just had the easiest competition, which I know is you know kind of like the usual narrative. Um, but like people want to talk about his legs. And I watched his tape and his film, and I watched it, and I just thought they were like design runs against easy competition they could easily manipulate. Um, I saw his first catch at OTAs was an interception. His first throw, sorry, his first throw was an interception. And uh, I, I see the potential. I can see where he can just, you know, he, I think it's lowest floor and the highest ceiling, and that's who you're gambling on. Yeah. No, I, I like that. And, um, yeah, you're right. I mean, not everybody's going to hit, unfortunately. And, um, you know, with Trey Lance, you come from North Dakota State, there's, you know, obviously a lot of concerns. Um, and he said, he said Zach Wilson wrong. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get to Zach Wilson, Garrison. 
Um, he Gar Garrison actually loves Zach Wilson, and uh, he thinks that the fact that people think Zach Wilson's mom is good looking makes him a better quarterback. Um, <laughs> so the next guy was Najee Harris at the one ten spot. Um, so Najee Harris, this is our second rookie from this class. So only two in the top ten picks from the 2021 class. So um, part of this could be because we've seen it for the others. Um, and I wanted to test that rookie fever. And you guys did a pretty good job. There wasn't a lot. You know, we didn't go 10 for 10 on the rookies. Yeah. Mike, looks like you got something on this one. Uh, well, I mean, that O-line got worse. He's a little older prospect. I just liked the draft class last year more than this year for running back. So I, now that I don't believe in Najee Harris, but I'd rather take the age discount and the proven production of like Swift or Gibson, uh, maybe not CEH, but you know, I think I'd rather see that. And now I think Najee's the type of player that he won't come off the field because he can block like that whole line we talked about needs help. So he'll stay on the field for blocking and he'll stay on just every single snap. will probably just be there. So, um, and you know, Mike Tomlin always figures it out. Yeah. It's, it's, to me, it's, is he, is he like Le'Veon Bell-esque where he's on the field all the time, he's catching the ball a lot, or does he end up being like last year James Conner-esque in that Steelers defense? You know, like it's, it's going to be really hard. That offensive line does need some help, but he does have some superior talent. So I think, you know, he is he is an, a, a bit older, but um, I like Najee there. I think I don't think it was too much of a stretch, although I'm, I'm, I think Swift with the next pick should have been above him. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. Uh, Fernando, if you're listening, you got this one wrong. It should have been Swift, um, but I don't, I don't hate Harris, but I definitely would have would have picked him. Um, and for me, like Harris is just going too high in some of the drafts. Uh, I, I don't don't hate the player. It's and I never hate a player. It's just a value that I'm worried about. And seeing him go in like super flex leagues as the 103 or 104, it's just too rich. Um, if you can trade back to the 106, 107 and get, you know, Kyle Pitts or Jamar Chase or even Travis Etienne plus a first-round pick instead of taking him at 103. I feel like that's a, a no-brainer. Um, you need to find a trade partner. But, you know, if someone is going to draft Najee Harris as, you know, the this one, and this one he was the 104, um, you, you got to take uh, 105. So, you know, they might do it. So, for, for me, Najee Harris, uh, I have the same concerns as Mike. Um, the, the offensive line is poor, and then, you know, you don't know what's going to happen with the quarterback position in the future because Ben, you know, we'll see if he makes it all 17 games this year. Um, but that offensive line is my, my biggest concern. DeAndre Swift is next. Um, I've lost where we are on the rotation. But, Justin, what are, you, what are your thoughts about uh, DeAndre Swift, the 111? I was a big DeAndre Swift guy last year. I thought he had a lot of talent. Um, I thought they kept him. All, I was the one yelling at the TV every time they threw Adrian Peterson and his 34-year-old knees out there, like or however old he is. Um, Swift, Swift just has the ability to do everything that you want an NFL running back to do. Um, and then he had that kind of little juice. You know, he had he has the swagger of, to be, you know, that running back that's really good. Obviously, the team worries me a little bit. Their offensive line, they did get Penny Sewell, but the offensive line, they're trying to build through the trenches, so that works a little bit with Swift. And the one thing I will say as a Chargers guy, Anthony Lynn can coach running backs. And Anthony oh, Lynn yeah. did go as the OC to Detroit. So um, I'm not worried about the coaching and the fact that the play, playbook will be tailored towards DeAndre Swift's strengths. Yeah, if you 
Anthony Lynn is someone that targets targets the running backs. Going back to his days in Buffalo, going going back to the Chargers. If you see that, and then you see the fact that they have nothing in the wide receiver room, give me DeAndre Swift. I'm all about I am all about DeAndre Swift this year. Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if he was the RB one overall. I mean, he's that offensive line is good. He's going to get the passing work. I, I love DeAndre Swift, and I would 100%. I would have put him probably above Acres or right there with Acres, um, but I would have put him above Harris and above Dobbins. Um, and I think I think sorry I, I didn't mean to cut you off there, Dave. I was just going to say I think some people cooled to De- DeAndre Swift a little bit with the Jamal Williams signing. I'm yeah. not really worried about that at all because I think with that wide receiver room, you're going to see some two back. You're going to see two backs on the field every once in a while with the Detroit Lions. Yeah. So yeah. I ran I ran some polls on Twitter that I want to just go through real quick. So DeAndre Swift versus Na- Najee Harris was 70 percent to 30 percent DeAndre Swift. Um, and then we'll go through the next ones because they're more the next round, and we're gonna we're gonna try to speed it up a little bit. So Tua as your your fifth quarterback off the board, um, and you see there's a pretty large gap between the next guys. Um, so Tua right here, um, maybe a little bit of a, a homer pick, but you could have had Tua here and Kyle Pitts flip flops back and forth. But I'm just gonna talk about these two, and then I give Mike the next one. Tua, I thought it was an endorsement whenever they traded back. They could have easily been at the three spot and, you know, took the best quarterback available at three. They traded back. Then when they traded up, you know, I, I really thought they were going to take Sewell, um, you know, but they didn't. Um, but they got him a receiver. Um, they went and, you know, they got some offensive line help. Um, they added Will Fuller. They added Hunter Long. I mean, they're really trying to build around to a, and that is something as a dynasty player you want to see. Like you want to know that they're building around your quarterback and they have a lot of assets next year. You, you want to see that they're going the right direction and that they're confident in him. Um, remember, all of these rookies did not have a normal offseason last year. Even Justin Jefferson, who broke the rookie receiving record, he missed like – he, the first two games he, he, he had like two catches. Um, he missed because he had COVID or COVID exposure. He didn't even go to training camp. Um, like these guys did not have a normal year. Tua right. didn't start most of the year. Um, then he he did get benched, which definitely concerns me. But Tua over the next guy hurts. Um, I think that's a short term versus long term. Where Jalen hurts short term, he's definitely for me in redraft would be above Tua. But long term, I think Tua is a better play. And then Kyle Pitts, um, I think he's probably you know probably going to break that whole. Not you know no no tight end ones in the last twenty years you know only three of them, but I think he'll break that. I think he'll be a top seven seven or eight tight end this year. And then if Julio gets traded, um, he'll get he'll get even more of a bump, and then he'll be a top three or four dynasty tight end next year. Um, next one will be Clyde Edwards Alaire. Mike. All right. So for Ch, um, the big knock was uh, his lack of goal line production here. Um, I, I want to blame the O-line more than the rest of the community does because I watched those games and that O-line was just like just the biggest, fattest gaps ever. I mean, you couldn't you couldn't tackle him to that gap and you'd probably just hang it up as a linebacker. But um, yeah, I, I think it should be a better year. They they totally revamped their whole O-line. I'm not really in on it. Um, there was an interview with an O-lineman from, I don't know his team, but they were asking him what the most like, underrated thing was for O-lineman. He said continuity. And once you have a group of guys that you work together with for a few years, you, you know, like little things, like little movements. You can read your teammates really well just at a glance. 
Um, and that's a completely new O line, uh, which Miami did last year, and they ranked 27th with that new O line. So I don't think the Chiefs lines as good as people think it is. Uh, and they kind of demonstrated last year their lack of trust in Ceh. Darrell Williams is still there, so I don't know. I'm I'm predicting mid RB two numbers for him, which is not bad. I'm just not drafting that high. Justin, anything to add on that? No, not really. I think you hit most of it. He, he's got to get better in the in the red zone and that goal to go situations. Um, I, I think the Chiefs are, are shifting like the rest of the NFL to a little bit more pass heavy, which you thought would be CEH a strong point, especially coming out of college. But he didn't really show it last year, so he's got to be better this year. Yeah, and so I, I think they're. You know, he was the RB thirteen um, when he before he got hurt last year, and he barely had any passing work. So if he gets a little bit of passing work, he's easily going to be an RB one. Um, we'll see. Maybe the offensive line is not as good as it was, but I do like the fact that they improved it. Uh, Joe Thune, Austin Blythe, they talked um, uh, Kyle Long out of retirement. Um, they they got two. Uh, I can't say his name, but the doctor. <laughs> they got him back, yeah. um, and then they made the big trade um, for a really good run blocking. I don't know if he's a great pass blocking, but a great run blocking tackle in Orlando Brown. Yeah, yeah I agree. So, um, so yeah, I mean, he's probably about properly rated here. I know that Mike would take Gibson over him uh, yeah. from what it sounds like. I would probably lean CEH, but I think it's pretty close. Um, so then we started seeing – more players come off the board um, from this year. So we had Kyle Pitts go 201, and then 203, we had Jamar Chase. So what do you guys think about Jamar Chase going as the second receiver overall in this exercise over CeeDee Lamb, Brandon Ayuk, and Devonta Smith? So so I personally – the. Uh... Chase and Chase and Lamb are, are can flip flop for me. You can take either one, whoever's available, because I think they both are in slam dunk situations. If you're set up to where you can get Chase in your in your drafts, like you're good with the running back position, you're good at quarterback, you're getting a guy that's probably going to be 10, 12 years in, in the league. He's you know, he's looked great in OTAs. There's nothing you can really say about him. Um, so I have no problem with him being the number two wide receiver off this board. If he was uh, two inches taller, we'd probably be calling the next Julio. Like honestly, yeah, yeah. He, yeah, he's a monster, and pairing him up with uh, Joe Burrow is just—it's just amazing. So, um, Ceedee Lamb was next at two hundred four. Um, I thought it was a good pick. Um, I, I really do. I, I think uh, I think the offense can be much better with Dak there. People forget how good that offense was. The offense wasn't even terrible whenever Andy Dalton was on there, and Ceedee Lamb was was still doing work. Um, and it was a rookie year. C.D. Lamb had a very impressive rookie year. It just was outshined by Justin Jefferson. Um, but his rookie year was extremely impressive, especially with him fighting for targets with Michael Gallup and Amari Cooper. Um, I know they drafted defense, but the defense is still horrible. And with a horrible defense becomes a lot of passing on the offensive side, which means a lot of targets to go around. So I think he'll be fine. The next one we have, um, Antonio Gibson. Perfect. Mike, take it away. Yeah, so uh, I I was a I was a doubter for Gibson coming into the season. I really was. Um, he had seventy seven touches in college, and he came from JUCO. So I was like, you're telling me a guy from JUCO touched the ball seventy seven times in college, and all of a sudden he's gonna be a top running back? Well, he was. So like, I just think he's gonna get more exposure with pass catching the ball because I I don't understand why he didn't catch more balls. He was a wide receiver in college. So I I'm hoping to see J. McKissick fade away a little bit. 
but they didn't add anyone into that backfield. So that speaks a lot of confidence from the coaches. Um, I love that the, the way the team is moving. Um, I will say this though, their quarterback is now Fitzpatrick, who is not a dump off type of guy, unlike Alex Smith was. So, yeah, yeah, <laughs> Go ahead, and, yeah and he and he. The only thing I think he's proper on this board. I think he's 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 rated right where he should be in the rankings. Um, I do worry about him in redraft a little bit. And I know we're talking dynasty, but just to put that out there, um, about probably I think five of his touchdowns last year came in two games against Dallas. So um, yep. a lot of his points total were, were in two games. So he's got to show a little bit more consistency. For I've seen a little some of the redrafts he's coming off the board. Fourth, fourth and fifth round. So um, he's got to show some more consistency for me, but I think he's properly ranked here. Yeah. And just to go into one, another one of the polls, um, I put Antonio Gibson versus Travis Etienne versus Javante Williams. And Antonio Gibson ran away with it. 73% to him, Travis Etienne, 18, Javante Williams, 9%. So, I mean, they're agreeing with this ranking that he's there. And probably the next question would be Antonio Gibson or Clyde Edwards-Alaire. Um, we could throw J.K. Dobbins in that scenario, too, because I, I would wonder what people think about that. Um, so, what was that? Oh, so that's really close for me. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. And then the next guy off the board was Devonta Smith. So, Justin, what do you think about Devonta Smith there? I love Devonta Smith here. I think he's he steps right into Philadelphia as the wide receiver one. He's gonna probably, you know, he'll he'll probably fight Goddard for the lead in targets. We'll see what Hertz does. Hertz wasn't very efficient as a passer. Um, but Devonta Smith runs routes like out of this world. I mean, the guy creates so much separation. He's gonna be targeted over a hundred times as a rookie. So I think I think he's in a great spot right here. Um, I think he's properly rated. I think he's properly ranked. I wouldn't take him over Ayuk. I wouldn't take him. I mean, I'm sorry. I would take him over Ayuk, and I would take him over T. Higgins. So um, I think it's a it's a great spot, and he could end up being a target hog. Yeah, and if you look at the just this draft class, it takes him as a wide receiver two over Jalen Waddle. Um, just in and you know if you're just looking at 2021 guys. Which so is next right. guy, next guy, right. go ahead. No, I was just gonna say I think it's right. I think I think that that fell perfectly. Yeah, Devontae Smith, I have I have him over Jalen Wild in my rookie rankings. He's not my receiver too in the rookies. Mike? Uh, I have Waddle actually over Devonta Smith. I just don't like the Eagles. I just I just can't. I can't get behind percent <laughs> completion passage. It, it's a new system, it's a new coaching scheme. Um I just every time I look at their team, I'm like, how is this better than last year? So uh Well, that's because they got a whole bunch of picks for next year. So I don't yeah. know if that's the plan. So if Hertz fails this year, I am looking at a new quarterback from them next year, and then I'm in. I'm in. I'm in. Yeah, it could be a long-term play. Uh, Brandon Ayuk is next. So, um, you know, Brandon Ayuk, um, one of the knocks on him is that most of his production came when Kittle and Debo Samuel were out. Um, so I'm I'm an Ayuk fan. I, I definitely – I think that, that, you know, that offense is – it doesn't. It has a whole bunch of wide receiver twos, um, and then George Kittle is your wide receiver one. Um, but I, I do think that he's someone that's going to offer that wide receiver two um, production. I just don't see him as a wide receiver one, um, just because uh, he just. My my biggest issue is that they all occupy like the same part of the field and are very similar players, like him and, and Debo. They don't have like a true X receiver. And I could see them being someone that does trade for Julio Jones um, or, or makes a move like that because they, they need an X and they just, they don't have it. 
they have two two guys that occupy the, the middle of the field and, and Kittle who does the same thing. Um, and they're also going to have possibly a change at quarterback. Um, so we'll, we'll see that. The next guy off the board was Javante. It actually was Travis Etienne. If I can see that, sorry, it's a little small on my screen. So the next guy off the board was Travis Etienne at the 2.8. What do you guys think about Etienne? Um, Mike. Uh, all right, so I'm a big J-Rob truther, but <laughs> so this, this might be a little biased to me, so just, just take take that into effect here. I When I watched Etienne, I, I kind of saw lack of vision in college. I saw he would run into the back of his players and then just kick it out wide with his speed, and he can get away with that with the competition he was playing with. Um, in the NFL, I don't know. Now, I wasn't eating into um, the whole he's going to be our third down back from Urban Myers, <laughs> but lately, like – now I'm like I don't think Urban knows what he's doing. Like so now I'm kind of like maybe maybe, maybe like Travis Etienne is not gonna be the guy. It's just gonna be a straight like one A one B situation. But um, I mean he's got the speed. And I think I think I think I could be wrong here. I'm okay with being wrong here if I am. You know. Yeah, and and it's really him and Javante Williams are back to back in this exercise, and a lot of people are having to make that decision whether it's Javante Williams or Travis Etienne. And, you know, you look at it and you don't really know which guy is going to give you the most immediate production. Um, you know, you just – and the draft capital, I know one was a first round, one was a second rounder, but they were like, what, 13 picks apart or something like that. It's not like a huge, huge difference. Um, so the next player, Justin, uh, Javante Williams, would you have taken ETN over Williams? No. Well, at face value, no, because I think Melvin Gordon is gone from Denver next year and Javante Williams slots in. So if I have the ability to to be a little forward thinking with my roster, I'm going to go Javante Williams. Um, I do think ETN gives you a little bit more of a home run threat and can give you those big weeks if you're looking for some electricity. But um, for a long term play, I think Javante Williams is actually the better play right now. Can I add to that? Yeah, because yeah, I yeah, go ahead. Um, I don't know the exact details to James Robinson's contract, but I believe he's a restricted and exclusive rights free agent after this year, which means he'll probably get re-signed by Jacksonville. Whereas for Javante's case, I think uh, – who is it there? Melvin Gordon. Melvin Gordon. Gordon. I think, yeah, I think he's gone. I yeah. think he's gone. So they yeah. guaranteed. Or I yeah, think Gordon. there's a chance that James Robinson lingers around. Yeah, Gordon will be gone, um, and then you know we'll see if that coaching staff lasts this year too, because they're they're probably on the brink. But no, I think it's 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 tough. I mean, I was an ETN guy going going into the, the draft. Um, I do like the spot. I, I do think that they're going to pass the ball to the running backs often enough. Um, but you know, like Justin said, I think Javante Williams does have the he, he does have a nice clear path. So I think you're I think you're fine with either one. And just like Fields and, and, and Lance, I would just take the cheaper guy um, in my in my drafts. Um, and for this one, <laughs> they're about the same price. Um, so the next guy was was actually T. Higgins. So um, so Mike, what are your thoughts about T. Higgins? I know there's some stuff going on, and people people don't like the fact that Jamar Chase came over there and they're dropping him down the boards. Yeah, I like T. Higgins here. Um, I'm also a little concerned about T. Higgins, uh, but. AJ Green left, and he left with, I believe it was 106 targets. Um, I do think Chase demands more than that. And I will have to say this. If Chase eats into someone's workload, Boyd or Higgins, I think it's going to be more of Higgins because Boyd's in the slot. But um, Joe Burrow, I think, threw an average of 40 attempts a game. 
So I think it's going to be the same story this year for the Bengals where they just got to keep throwing the ball because that defense did not get better, at least not that better. So I, I am a little concerned about T. Higgins, but not too much. The talent's there. He's proven it. Um, yeah. Yeah, and one thing I liked about Higgins is his production, it fell a little bit, but he was able to sustain production when Burrow went down. And that's, for me, is it's a nice indicator when you're looking at, you know, some of these receivers. Can, can they – can they make up for bad quarterback play? And, yeah. um, you know, T Higgins was definitely able to do so. And air yards wise, he was, he was one of the top oh, air yards guys. So, um, so I, I think that Higgins is a steal here. And I think he could be a steal in a lot of your drafts, a lot of your leagues. Um, again, you know, one of the things I wanted to talk about today is don't be afraid to trade these picks. I know you want to make the pick and I know you want to like get that flashy new shiny toy. That is that rookie. But if you can get someone to be like, hey, I'm going to give you, you know, 112 or 201 for, for T. Higgins and, you know, it, yeah, I'm doing it. Like, give me T. Higgins, the proven guy. I, I think he's a stud. And I think that, you know, two or three guys can exist in that offense. Mm-hmm. And I think Tyler Boyd is the one that's going to be hurt the most by by Chase. Chase can move in to that that slot. He's played yeah. that slot before. Um but Higgins has that air yards and the outside role. That's not going to change. Um, and, you know, we could see we could see it where all three guys are kind of, you know, it could be a, a very interesting to see how that's done. I think Joe Burrow is the big winner with that because getting Higgins and getting Chase in back-to-back seasons, oh, yeah. he's, got, he's got a pretty monster uh, set of weaponry. So we finally saw another quarterback go off the board is Jalen Hurts. We talked about him already a little bit. Jalen Hurts, um, in the short term, I think he's a great play. Um, and he's, you know, he, right now he's auditioning to be the future quarterback of the Eagles. And we'll see. He had a 53% completion percentage last year. Not great. He had one of the higher, um, you know, uncatchable balls and, you know, dangerous passes. Him and Drew Locke were competing for that, which is not something you want to compete for. <laughs> and, but he's a rushing quarterback and this is fantasy football. So I think, you know, seeing the huge gap between him and Tua, you're getting in the range of, you know, like Waddle and Judy and Claypool. It's a super flex league. So these these quarterbacks can be shot at the board. And Jalen Hurts, you know, he could easily be a top 10, you know, quarterback. And, and you know, it's in your leagues because of the, just because of the rushing. Um, but it doesn't mean he's going to keep the job, you know, for forever. Mike, anything else with that? I know you, I know you love the Eagles. No, no. You know, <laughs> I already talked about him earlier, so I'm good. Next guy is Mac Jones. Yeah, go ahead. Talk about Mac Jones. Yeah, I'm a big Matt Jones guy. I love him. I love him. I don't understand the hate he had up until about like a month before the draft. Um, dude's got a dad bod, and if we know anything about dad bods, they're goats. Okay, Tom <laughs> Brady going into the season had a dad bod. Look, look at his career going to the same landing spot. Look, the Patriots are built for a pocket passer. The Cam Newton experiment was fun. I almost bought a jersey after the first week. I was pretty hyped, but. Uh, Mac Jones is exactly what the Patriots need. Nick Saban is a close friend of um, Bill Belichick. He runs a similar system. I think he can slide in easily and then thrive, especially with that new wide receiver core. There's a few spots where Mac Jones could have gone to be successful when he landed one. Yeah, uh, for me, I think he's properly rated. Um, I, I maybe put Zach Wilson over him, and, and, and I think the hate just had to do with, you know, we all thought Mac Jones is top 15 pick, top 20 pick. And then all of a sudden, San Francisco trades up, and the rumors are that yeah. you know, 
And everyone's like, why would you trade everything for Mac Jones? Mac Jones is not this. He's not that. He's not. And, and he may be a better NFL quarterback than he is a fantasy football quarterback. I just don't see him being a higher end fantasy quarterback just because rushing plays the rushing scoring is broken when you can have a guy run for a hundred yards and get 10 points and run for, and then pass for a hundred yards and get four. It's just a huge disadvantage. Um, and, and like, that's why you see guys like Tom Brady, he had a phenomenal year last year and he had to throw 40 touchdowns with three interceptions just to make it in the top 10. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, it, it's just, the, that's just where it's at for me. Um, but I do think in your super flex leagues, He'll be a QB two, and he'll be he'll be perfectly fine. And um, you know they they built that to be a two you know a two tight end offense, um, which would be really good for a rookie. And uh, you know it's what they they thrived in when they had you know Hernandez and, and Gronk a while back. Yep. Next guy on the board is Waddle. So back to the polls, Judy versus Waddle. Judy won seventy three to twenty seven. So. Mike, you're a big uh, Waddle fan, so we'll go back to you. Well, what are your thoughts about Waddle here? He is the one, two, three, four, five, six, seventh receiver off the board in this exercise. I, I mean, I'd rather him than Smith. I want to say a big Waddle guy. But uh, explosive athlete, everyone wants to talk about. I, I'm kind of tired of hearing how he's like the next Tyreek Hill. It's like, okay, he had four really good games in college. Like, let's slow down a second here. Um, if Tua doesn't hit, Waddle doesn't hit. Um, and people forget that Will Fuller's there. Will Fuller's not there week one, but okay, he's there week two. And they're kind of similar play styles too. So uh, we're going to find out real quick who Tua is as a quarterback the first four or five weeks of the of the year. And um, once Will Fuller's gone next year, it will be Waddle's team. And again, if Tua doesn't hit, then a new quarterback will be in town next year because they have the draft capital for it. So, Mike, would you have taken Waddle over Judy, Claypool, LaVisca, Mike, Michael Pittman, and Elijah Moore? Okay, definitely over Claypool and down. Uh, Judy, I think I would have taken before him. I love Judy's talent. Judy just needs a quarterback, and I think he's a top 10 player. Cool. And then right right on to Judy. Justin, what are your thoughts about Judy being the next, the eighth receiver off the board? Yeah, I mean, Mike, Mike just said it. I think – Talent-wise, Judy is is probably up there with Jefferson, Chase, and Lamb, honestly, like from a route-running standpoint, from just a total football player as a wide receiver he is. He's just not in the right – you know, he's not in the right system with a quarterback that that really works for him. They're, the landing spots and the, the current situations for a lot of those guys are just better. Um, I would take him over Waddle. Um, but – Still, it's just the, the quarterback is always going to hinder him. A lot of people gave him a lot for the drops last year. He was a, yes. we've already said it. He was a rookie coming through on a short on a short uh, preseason. So I, he's a, he's got great talent, folks. If you can get Judy, get him in your dynasty roster and keep him. Absolutely. Can I can I add to that? Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. So Judy had twelve drops last year. Five of them came in one game, and that was an awful game. But twenty nine percent of his passes were considered uncatchable from Drew Lock. So there's that. <laughs> He still he still produced over 800 yards as a rookie with three touchdowns. Um, yeah, I just think he's a phenomenal talent. I think a lot of it's Drew Locke's fault, not his. I understand the drops, but Amari Cooper, his rookie year, had 19 drops. 19 from Amari Cooper. Like I, I don't really read the drops too much. I'm not worried about it. If so. you're if you get outside of the top 10 of your rookie drafts, that's when you I'm starting to trade my picks. So out of the top mm-hmm. top 10. I know that I can get one of the top five quarterbacks, or the five top quarterbacks, 
or I can get one of the, and get Kyle Pitts, Jamar Chase, or I can get one of those, um, you know, three running backs. You might be able to get at that 10 spot. You can probably get Devonta Smith, if not Mac Jones. After that, I'm done with it. I, I will trade 11 or 12 and try to get Judy. And I think you can get it. I, I honestly think that some people are out on them. They're way too early to be out on them. I'm trying to trade for Judy, and I would much rather have Judy over Waddle, in my opinion. Next guy is yep. Chase Claypool. Um, so I'll talk about him. I, I just think that Juju coming back, it hurt him a little bit. Deontay, you know, he's he's the guy that, that really is the target hog. He, even though he drops the ball, he still gets the targets. And every time he gets a target, Chase Claypool doesn't. And he was he had a lot of touchdowns last year that really carried his production. And he's going to need to get a lot more catches to be able to sustain that. You cannot, you can't predict touchdowns. And that's just one of the things that's really difficult with Claypool for me is, yes, he had a lot of yards, um, but he had so few catches. And he was able to, you know, obviously score touchdowns, but he also had, what, a three three touchdown game against the Eagles. He had another two touchdown game. So he's someone that didn't offer as much consistency as some of the other guys. So, I have my concerns, um, and then obviously the long-term outlook of who is their quarterback. Because right now, um, is it Mason Rudolph or, or Dwayne Haskins is the backup? Yeah. So if Ben goes down, you're going to see an instant downgrade for him. And I don't even know if if Ben, you know, is as much of you know, he's not he might be not much of an upgrade of, of last year, Ben. Which right. he'll do 33 right. touchdowns last year. So let's not crap on him too much. But again, he's he's not going to be here for too long. Claypool did produce when Hodgins was in. I don't know the games and the numbers on the top of my head, but I know he produced with uh, those bad quarterback play. I know we talked about uh, yeah, Higgins producing with bad quarterback play. We didn't talk about it, but Ayuk had some pretty bad quarterback play. Oh uh, yeah. So, so I I do agree though with your take on Claypool though. I this crowded backfield, quarterback position is unknown there, but I love the player. I want to, yeah, and if I can jump in on Claypool yeah. just real quick, um, I want to see Claypool take the next step in his second year in the NFL. So last year, there was a lot of nine routes, a lot of straight up the field. He can burn somebody. He can go up and catch it at the high point. Um, he can get those busted plays big down the field. I want to see him do a little bit more, running a couple more routes on the route tree so that you feel a little more comfortable having him on your dynasty roster with uncertainty at the quarterback position. Because if he's just a two-route guy, if a quarterback can't hit you down the field, he's screwed. Right. Yeah, no doubt. And so the next guy is Zach Wilson. So there's a you – know, so Zach Wilson, there's a pretty big drop between him and um, – you know, he's actually after Mac Jones in this exercise, and you typically see Zach Wilson go before Mac Jones in your Superflex drafts, the ADP. Um, but Zach Wilson was the last quarterback taken out of these two classes. Um, so he was one, six, eight, ninth quarterback off the board. And there's a pretty clear drop when it comes to uh, there's a two, two round difference between him and Justin Fields. So part of that might be the, just the New York jets um, outlook. Um, people look at the New York jets and they don't get excited about anything fantasy wise. Um, I, I think Zach Wilson will, um, I, I think he does have the ability to be a good fantasy producer. They're already doing good, a good job by giving him weapons in an offensive line. Um, he's got, you know, Elijah Vera Tucker and Mackay Becton on the left side. Um, uh, Matt Paradise is the center. 
Um, they did a pretty good job of you know, rebuilding the offensive line. They're not done yet. Um, and then Denzel Mims, Corey Davis, Elijah Moore. It's a much better receiving core than Sam Donald has ever had. Um, yeah. So I, I think Zach Wilson, if he struggles, it's kind of him, not because anything else. I like the coaching staff there. Um, so I, I did like that pick. And if you can get him as that player, like after as the fifth quarterback in his draft class, it's pretty good value. Next pick, LaVisca Schnault. Mike, thought about LaVisca Schnault here. Uh, yeah, I he answered all the questions that were coming into the season about him, so he proved it. Uh, again, the big question is, what's up with Travis Etienne? Because they kind of they came out in the draft. Urban Meyer said that he, not he, that the team missed out on Kadarius Tony in the draft. I, and I don't understand what's the difference between LaVisca Schnault and Kadarius Tony. And him saying that statement doesn't really invoke confidence in his players. Like ETN or Chanel saying that they're the second pick, you know, oh, you're the second option. So I'm a little concerned about Chanel's future just because of statements. But my initial feelings of when Lawrence got drafted, you got Chanel, who's the number two there. Chark really didn't show a lot last year. So Chanel really could be the number one uh, this year. He has the opportunity to. Um, but yeah, I, I like Chanel here. I think he's a great value, um, proven talent, and an upgraded quarterback. And the next guy was Michael Pittman. So um, what are your thoughts about uh, Michael Pittman, Justin? Um, I like Michael Pittman. I think he's got a good future in Indianapolis, depending on what Carson Wentz does. If Carson Wentz, if the Carson Wentz experiment fails in Indy, I'm really interested in what they do. It could become a complete blow up of that roster a little bit just to try and figure out um, what direction they're going to go. Um, I would have probably – I'm higher on Rondell Moore than any of the next three wide receivers that we're talking about. So I won't Ooh. jump into Rondell Moore, but <laughs> I would take Rondell Moore over Michael Pittman. Wow. Okay. Can I can I talk about Pittman yeah. then? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> uh, Pittman has the opportunity to be the number one on a high-scoring offense here. Um, they just brought back T.Y. Hilton. That's it. They drafted a seventh-rounder, Mike Strachan, who uh, is, has like a very similar build to Pittman. And if you look at – uh, Carson Wentz's history. He targets the big body receivers. That's kind of True. who he is. So uh, I know Pittman didn't really prove it last year, but I don't think he proved anything anything like negative. So I I'm in on Pittman this year. I think this is I think this is a great dart throw. He he's still gonna be the number one guy, and I think yeah, that's where I'm at with him. Yeah, no, I I, I like the pick here. Um, I thought about Pittman um, and Chenault, um, and then you know the next guy Elijah Moore as well. Um, and you know, if this was a real draft, I really I have another guy that I'm talking that I really like that I was hoping came back to me, but that I was also hoping he got ranked higher and got picked earlier because I think he's he's awesome. But uh, the next guy is Elijah Moore. We just alluded to it with the Jets. I think Elijah Moore could be could be the reason J- Jamison Crowder gets cut. Um, he's a perfect slot. Jamison Crowder is getting paid nine million a year. He's he's not old. He's 27, 28 years old. You could see him get cut, but you could also see him get traded. There's a lot of teams that need receivers. And after July, I think there's some deal where you can kind of split the money up. So um, Elijah Moore, um, he he definitely slides – he could slide right into that slot. And one thing that's been been for rookie receivers to produce early, it's playing in the slot. You look at guys like Juju and Cooper Cup, even Michael Thomas. And Michael Thomas plays in the slot a lot. Those guys produce faster – than the outside fan, you know, outside receivers, um, just because it's a shorter distance to the quarterback, and a lot of those guys are playing in zone versus man. Um, so it, it just it 
it makes sense. So if you're if you're gonna put Elijah Moore in that offense, which let's remember it's not Adam Gase's offense anymore. Nope. This is gonna be a LaFleur offense, which is out of the Shanahan tree. So you're gonna see a lot of crossing routes, you're gonna see a lot of play action, a lot of running the football. And I think Zach Wilson was a nice fit in that offense. Again, I, I told you I like the offensive line. And I think Elijah Moore could easily be the number one there. I like him over Denzel Mims. Yep. And yeah, apparently yeah, yeah, everyone yeah. else did as well. Uh, I'm just going to play devil's advocate for a sec. Though. Yeah, go ahead. Zach Wilson doesn't profile the guy that likes to throw to the slot. He's a big throw, big arm guy. Um, and that's my only concern. That's, that is it. I'm a huge Elijah Moore fan. He had like an 84% catch, catch percentage in college. He's got fast feet. Great hand. Contested catches, I think he won most of his contested catches, too. I, I think he does it all. If Elijah Moore was three inches taller, maybe four, but three inches taller, uh, we could be talking about him being the number one rookie in this last class. Yeah, class. Yeah. Yeah, he's – I mean, and, and he was – he had some monster games in college. I mean, he's he produced all over the field. I don't know if you saw the video of A.J. Brown and him talking, but um, A.J. Brown was talking to him after he got drafted and was pretty emotional and – um, you know, he's, he's a crafty guy. Um, and, and I just, I really, I, I, again, I thought he would be a little bigger than when he measured out to be, but, um, I'm a big Elijah Moore fan. He's one of my favorite players in the draft. And, um, you know, he was, he was, I mean, I, I thought he should have went in the first round. I would have been ecstatic if my giants picked him up, but, um, I'm a, I'm a big Elijah Moore fan. And I, I do think he's going to be one of the, the better fantasy producers year one out of this rookie class. Um, so we're getting on the hour mark. We're going to fly through these next couple picks. Um, the next guy off the board is Rashad Bateman. So I want to go back to the the polls. So I ran the poll, and I ran these four receivers in a row. I ran them in a poll together. And the poll actually had it Rashad Bateman as the one, and he went fourth behind LaVisca, Elijah Moore, and Pittman. Um, everybody else was at 18, 18, and 19%. So everyone else was really close. But Rashad Bateman was 44%. So they really like Rashad Bateman over the other guys. Mm. I like the player better. I don't like the situation better at all. And we kind of talked about this earlier. But does anyone want to take the Rashad Bateman? I'm going to let Justin get Rondell Moore. So, Mike, <laughs> Mike, Rashad Bateman? Uh, I, I would probably pass on. It's, it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I, I like the player. We were talking about before the show. Um I think that, you know, the intermediate throws, the across the field throws and things like that, like Bateman excelled in college, you know, with those types of routes, with those types of, of you know, that, that kind of the field. And that's where Lamar Jackson shines. He does not shine throwing outside of the hashes. And that's where you're going to see those outside receiver, receivers struggle. My biggest concern with Bateman is just going to be the lack of targets. And we'll see that offense says they're going to throw the ball more. How much more? Because they threw so little last year that the second highest target total for a receiver was 48 targets. Targets, they, not catches. This is the same story last year, too. We're going to throw more. <laughs> and I think they threw 15 less, but still less. Yeah, I mean, so if Bateman ends up with 60 targets and catches 40 or 50 balls, he's going to be a very big disappointment year one. And that is a very likely scenario. So that's just – that's my concern. Um Rondell Moore, let's talk about him. 
Yeah, so I, I love Rondell Moore. I love the player. So let me – obviously, most people that are high, like I, I'm not going to be naive. He had injury problems in college. Um, you're talking about a guy that is 5'7", so you have a little bit of worry about the height. He's 180 pounds. He's not somebody um, – he's not real slight. He is pretty stocky. Um, and I just think he's such a home run threat in that air raid offense in Arizona. And if you're talking about having four wide, which they were an offense that ran four wide more than anyone else in the NFL, you're having them matched up on safeties, nickel corners, and linebackers pretty much every time. And that four three speed, he is going to take. He's going to take advantage of that. So I'm hoping he plays in the slot. I think he could be the number two target in this offense because I think yeah, the, the Christian Kirk experiment experiment is is about run its course. Um, so it's DeAndre Hopkins and then him, and they're going to throw the ball. So there's a little bit of a worry, obviously, about scoring touchdowns, but I think he could be a target monster and be a guy that can give you some home run plays. Yeah, I want to just add to that too. Yeah, that's why I took Pittman over Rondo Moore because Rondo Moore won't have the chance to be the number one guy for another three years where Pittman does. So I'm, I guess I'm going for upside here, but I, I love Rondo Moore. They'll work him the gadget plays. They'll scheme ways to get him the ball, and I like that. I like when coaches are like, how do we get this guy the ball? And that's Rondell Moore. A little worried about the height on both sides of the line. You know, the quarterback throwing to the receiver. But, <laughs> again, they're going to scheme ways for him to get the ball. So, I think he's actually going to be a really fun guy to watch. So, maybe not for fantasy, but, like, real-life football, he'll be a fun guy to watch. Yeah, and, and people talk about the fact that, you know, he with his size and with the fact that they didn't really address the, the running back position, not that they're going to line him up in a power eye, but you can see, you know, a lot of the jet sweeps, a lot of the, you know, yes. the little stuff behind – and that, that kind of ways to get him the ball versus, you know, trying to, you know, throwing the ball 50 yards down the field, get him the ball on a bubble screen, a slant or something like that. Let him break a tackle and take it to the house. Yeah, the so guy, yeah. yeah, I was just going to say the guy, if you watch his tape, he has uh, Alvin Kamara level uh, contact balance. I mean, it's, un, it's, it's insane. Some of the stuff he breaks, obviously he gets hurt. So to the ground. Um, also, the Cardinals, you, you mentioned screens. They they were number one in screen plays last year. So he just fits that. Oh, yeah. So the next is Cole Komet. So I thought this was a little bit of a reach. Um, I am, I, I'm a Komet fan, um, but I just I felt like it was a reach. Um, there's just a lot more receivers and running backs that I like. Um, I like better than, than him. Um, Justin Fields is a, a nice upgrade for him. And if, if you're listening, you should go target Komet, especially do it before Jimmy Graham gets cut during training camp. You, you go get Komet now, um, but he's he's someone you're going to want your taxi squad on your bench. I don't think he's going to be a huge fantasy producer this year, but year three, I think, is when he, you know, he might have his breakout. Next guy, Jalen Rager. Mike, it just happens to be the Eagles, so we might as well let you talk about Jalen Rager. What are, you, what are your thoughts about him? I, I was so in on him last year. I was so in. I was so in. Um, uh, not so much anymore. Rookies that struggle their first year, their rate of success after that just is is too low. Um, so I'm out. And then, you know, I think Devontae Smith does slide as number one. He'll be the slot guy. I think that matches with Hurts pretty well. Even though Hurts was actually connecting with Rager a little, little bit last year towards the end. Um, but I just uh, I think there's some better upside picks coming around that are better than Rager. So, so I'll, I'll say this about Rager. Um, I, I was not, I was definitely not a fan last year and I thought he was not, he's not profiled to be a number one receiver. And I just, I didn't like that fit. I, I definitely, I was, Justin Jefferson was my number one. And I was like, I'm glad that you idiots took um, Rager over Jefferson as a Giants fan. I was pumped. 
Um, and I, I think he'll he'll be a, a good number two. I, again, I don't think this year is the year because with Jalen Hurts, it's going to be a low pass volume offense. But again, that defense is so bad that he was he was throwing the ball quite a bit at the end of the year last year until they put Nate Sefeld in. Um, but Rager, for me, I just don't know if it's going to be consistent. Um, it's going to be Goddard. It's going to be Devonta Smith. He's probably yeah. going to be the third or fourth option in that team. I'm just not. I'm not in on him. I think it'll be low passing too. I think Jalen Hurts is kind of like a poor man's Lamar Jackson, so I, I don't think they're gonna throw a lot. It's gonna be a lot of Jalen Hurts scrambling. Yeah, so. and the next guy is AJ Dillon. So this guy you've seen take a huge plummet since uh, your you know March drafts. Everyone, everybody told us that they knew for a fact that Aaron Jones was not going to be a Green Bay Packer next year, and all, I saw some obscene trades. And I, those people are, are very sad right now. So if you're one of those <laughs> and you're listening, I, I apologize. I'm not making fun of you. I'm saying you should have listened when we said, don't go and sell the farm for a bunch of mag- magic beans because you don't know what's going to happen. But now it's the opposite. A.J. Dillon is properly priced. If he slides into that Jamal Williams role, he's going to get over 125 carries. He's going to be the, the, the handcuff to a very good running back. I mean, now he's a great pick. Um, and and the price is right, so you can get AJ Dillon like tenth or eleventh round. Not you're not paying fifth round prices, so I like AJ Dillon where he's priced right now. Mike, I like. It. I want to disagree with that. Yeah, I think Kylan Hill slides into that pass catching role. I don't think AJ Dillon really profiles for that. Um, I think he just kind of fades away into the dust. I think the Green Bay absolutely wasted their first and second round pick last year. Um, and I also think this guy that made this draft, this they whoever drafted these players on on the the B one two eight. He needs to go to he needs to go to jail for this pick. <laughs> <laughs> Coach, <laughs> Steve, Coach Steve. I, I just oh, I think Jamal Jamal Williams was he's he's more of a power back anyways. He he wasn't like a satellite back. Um I like Kylan Hill. Um but I, I think AJ Dillon will be will be fine. I, I don't think he's yeah. gonna fade away into the dust. Um I do like Kylan Hill and I would love to see Kylan Hill blow up because he was like I think it was my, my RB five or six going into the the draft, I was really high on him, and I was really upset that he didn't go to Atlanta um, or Buffalo or something like that. But A.J. Dillon, second-round draft capital by the coaching staff um, and the, the GM that are currently there. Um, and I, I just – I see him like a Jamal Williams where he's he's more – he's a power back. He's not a satellite back. So if they do want to have someone catch the ball, it's not going to be him. Um, and that would be Kylan Hill, but – the the Packers had a pretty good split last year. Aaron Jones never got 95% of the carries like James Robinson or Christian McCaffrey. So right. Dylan will still get seven or eight touches a game, I think. Um, and maybe we'll see Kylan Hill in there as well, and I would love to because big Kylan Hill fan. Um, the next guy, Gabriel Davis. So, Steve, this was one of my one of my least favorite picks of, of this. Um, <laughs> love you, Steve. Um I just think that's just too much. Um, I, I like Gabriel Davis. I don't love Gabriel Davis, but I think there's just some really good players that were left on the board that I would have taken over him. Um, so that's just where I'm at on that. Again, I don't hate it. I just think it was just too too high. The next pick was James Robinson. So you're the you're the believer in James Robinson. Let's talk about it, Mike. Yeah, I, I mean, I just think he proved it. I know his week one games can be against Houston, so I, I expect him to really show out against Houston. Um, of course, ETN's got the first-round draft capital, so it just makes sense that ETN at some point in time will be the guy. And it won't happen, but I really hope 
that they trade Jacksonville trades Robinson for a, a contending team's gonna need a running back. Like let's say the Falcons are a contending team. Mike Davis, the wheels fell off the first four weeks. Like I, I just feel like James Robinson. I don't think his career is done. It might not. I might not. It might be done this year, but I think he can resurge in fantasy in the future. So I, I do like James Robinson here. He's proven it. Um, he might have gotten ninety five percent of the carries, but that's still only two hundred and I think forty carries. So it's not like he was, you know, in that three hundreds like Derrick Henry. Yeah, and he he made a lot of his uh, in comparison to the other running backs. He made his money in the passing game. He got a lot of passing down work, and he outproduced every single one of the rookies in his class because of because of that. Jonathan Taylor was the only one that outproduced him as far as fantasy points, but he still got more catches and more yards. And as well, I think he had four or five receiving touchdowns last year. So a lot of his production was in the receiving game. Um, you know, obviously the new coaching staff, they, they don't want to upset the locker room. So whenever they draft Travis DTN in the first round, of course they're going to say he's the third down back because they, they don't upset everybody after James Robinson had an extremely impressive year. And I, I was on record for saying I, I don't think there's a reason, there's no reason that they need to draft a running back. They have so many holes on the defense and offensive line. It would be stupid for them to take a running back in the first round. Right. And they did it. So, I mean, obviously those guys are coaches and GMs. I'm not, and I'm not going to pretend I'm smarter than them. I right. just disagree with the move. I just thought he fit the urban system too. Urban Meyer likes to run out of the shotgun more. The number one running yeah. back out of the shotgun last year out of all, every running back was James Robinson. He averaged 6.5 yards per carry out of the shotgun. He, he just fit the urban Meyer mold. And number two, yeah. by the way, J.K. Dobbins. But, you know, out of the, like he just fit. And, uh, so I don't know. Liz is pointed. He's a talented player. He's, he's an undrafted free agent. Like that's that's free. That's free money. That's free real we, estate. We go we go from AJ Dillon to James Robinson, and we go from value to value. So this is another guy that you know people are really sad because they drafted him in the fifth round of their startups in March, and you know or fourth round, and now they're having to you know eat some crow. But right. go check in and see what the price is. If you can get James Robinson for a mid second rounder in your draft, or you know a uh, even an early third. I mean, people might be just selling and I'm buying. I, 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 there's not many backfields in the league where there's only one running back. So like we talked about it earlier with, you know, Neheim Hines and JD McKissick and Jamal Williams. Yeah. Like you're not going to start Jamal Williams, like unless you're in like a three flex league. Right. But he got, he's got some value as a handcuff and with a 17 week season, the running backs are, are you're going to see a lot more backup running backs play um, than any other, you know, at any other time, because the running backs, they have a hard time sustaining a 16 game season. Um, we might see some workload management like basketball. I don't know, yeah. but uh, James Robinson is very much a value right now. And I was worried he was going to go undrafted in this exercise, to be honest. I probably was going to take him in my pick. I would have taken him too. <laughs> yeah, I was looking at him. He was in my queue, so I would not have let him go undrafted. But you can just see where he's just he's screaming value right now, and he's some of these guys are you know mid second round picks that are going before him. I would take James Robinson over over them. The next guy is Trey Sermon, uh, and actually Terrace Marshall. So this is the guy I wanted to talk about. So Terrace Marshall for me is not only is he a stud, but he's in a great situation. I think Terrace Marshall is going to go in and be the slot for the Carolina Panthers. Curtis Samuel's gone. He had 97 targets last year. 
There's no reason that those targets should change. The defense is still garbage. The offensive coordinator is still the same. And they got an upgraded quarterback. So I think he could, you know, do even better with those targets, even if it's the same ones. And the other part of this, he's a big dude. He offers a red zone threat that they don't have. Robbie Anderson and DJ Moore are not red zone threats. Mm-hmm. Terrace Marshall is. Yeah. I would not be shocked if Terrace Marshall is the number one fantasy producer out of this rookie class from the receivers. I'm that high on him. Yeah, I would have taken Terrence Marshall from Elijah Moore, Bateman, Rondell Moore. I was in a lot earlier for those reasons. And he goes back to his college coordinator. Um, unlike you, though, I think Moore goes to DJ Moore, goes to the slide, and he stays out wide. He is six foot three, and DJ Moore is five nine. Um, so just just based, I'm just hiatus on that one. But uh, I think this makes more sense. But great point about the red zone threat, too, because I don't have that guy. Ian Thomas was a little bit of a hype last year and was never even a point. I'm not even for a single game. No. And, and, you know, so people, you know, one of the new terms, you know, as far as the receivers, you know, you have the X receiver, the Y receiver, you have your Z, yeah. you have the big slot. And Terrace Marshall is that big slot, like a Michael Thomas, like a Chris yeah. Godwin. And I think that's where he goes in. I, I just, Again, I, I absolutely love Terrace Marshall before. I absolutely love him pairing up with with uh, Joe Brady. And, um, yeah, so he was thinking about um, – so Robinson was not going to go undrafted. Um, but, yeah, yeah. I, I'm a big fan of Terrace Marshall, and I, and I love his price. He's properly priced. He's my wide receiver three out of the rookies. So I know that's higher than most people. I have him after Devonta Smith. I have I have him, and then, then I have Waddle. Mm-hmm. But – and uh, Robbie Anderson's gone next year. So yeah, and Robbie year. Anderson's gone next year. So that's a great point, Mike. I think Marshall's better than Robbie Anderson right now. So, so yeah. So I, I'm I'm scooping up all the Marshall I can get, and if I'm in you know 201 or the you know the the 202 spot, I'm gonna trade back a couple spots, pick up a second rounder next year, and I'm gonna take Marshall and let somebody else take you know Waddle or Bateman. Um, the next guy off the board was Trey Sermon. So you guys can whoever wants this one take it. I'll tell you, I, I, the only thing I'll say with this one is um, I wouldn't, I would not have taken Trey Sermon here. I would have taken Michael Carter um, for the simple fact of like landing spot and the fact that I don't, you know, San Francisco's backfield is always crowded. Um, you never know what's going to happen. And you don't even think Trey Sermon's not a guy in college that really stood out as a consistent threat wherever he was, you know, being in Oklahoma and then going to Ohio State. I think Trey Sermon jumped up some draft boards this year because he showed out in the playoff in the college football playoff game. Yep. Um, yep. I'm not saying he does, he doesn't have any talent. He's a good piece in San Francisco, but he's not a, he's not a fantasy asset that I want. Yeah. They rotate them around so much San Francisco. I think he's great for best ball. He just stack up all the San Francisco running backs. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> good yeah, point. I, I think I'm, I'm going to lump in Marco Carter here. Michael Carter trained sermon is this year's Keyshawn Vaughn. And so I don't want to roll the dice on a 50-50 chance because one of these guys aren't going to become a thing. Um, and yeah. I think it's going to be a fair sermon. Well, I think, I think the only thing I would say, Mike, is like where you're getting them at, I would roll the dice potentially on Michael Carter oh, okay. only for the simple fact that he may start and play this year. And to get somebody later in this rookie class that could be a starter – and get get some decent volume is a decent dice a gamble that I'm willing to take. Yeah, yeah. I well, I'll add more on Michael Carter in a little bit. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, yeah. And these are the guys that like, again, if I'm if I'm there, like people are really trying to trade up to go get Michael Carter and to get Trey Sermon. I've been into the drafts and that happens. Like, and you know, I I picked Michael Carter and the guys like immediately. 
hey, what do I need to give you to get yeah, back Carter? Yeah. And I'm like, okay, I want your, <laughs> I want your, I want 201. I want your second pick next year. I want your 301. And like, I, I ended up with you know a pile of players, um, including Terrace Marshall. Uh, I, I, got Terrace, I got Terrace Marshall and Elijah Moore in that trade. So I was just like, boom. Like, I, I, I think you can trade these guys for the value because there's no other running backs. And the reason Trey Sermon, other reason he jumped up, he's the only one of these guys that's actually like a prototypical size. Kenneth Gainwell, you look at, um, you look at Michael Carter. None of these guys are built like your, your three down backs or your prototypical backs. And that's one reason why the NFL – Moved him up the boards, and then of course, you know, we moved him up the boards because he went to San Francisco, which, like you guys have said, isn't. It's always been a good spot for one running back. It just is different running back every week. Yeah, you gotta guess which one. I will add this too for Michael Carter. Since we're talking about Michael Carter, um, he's a fourth round running back, and so is Lamichael P. Ryan. And I think he has a lot of value this year. It's just that I can see the Jets going out and getting a guy next year. So if you did yeah. get Michael Carter this year, I would be looking to sell. If you weren't a contender, or sh- very shortly after your season, absolutely. And then, so Darnell Mooney went next. I think we probably skipped Carter. Mooney went next. Yep. Uh, Mike, what are your thoughts about Mooney here? I like Mooney, so I I liked him this year. Of course, the draft capital was worrisome, but they didn't add anyone to take away from him. Uh, they got Anthony Miller, who's in the doghouse. It's the same coaching staff, so Anthony Miller's still not going to be a thing. They added Daz Newsom in the six. He's going to be a slot guy, but I think Darnell Mooney really showed out last year. They got an upgrade at quarterback now that actually has a real good arm. So I, I think Mooney is is uh yeah. I think this is a great value. I don't know. I actually I like Mooney a lot and I and later I, on was, in I was not like a huge Mooney guy or anything, but this offseason I've been scooping him up like everywhere because he just ends up at that value. And when I look at the board, I'm like his name sticks out. He got a ton yeah. of air yards last year. He just got a huge uh, upgrade uh, on at quarterback, which that was after my drafts. But Mooney, I feel like, was one of the big winners from the draft. Not only did he get a better quarterback, get an offensive lineman, but they didn't draft any real competition. Daz Newsom is more of a kick returner. He will, but he's a six-round receiver. He's, you know, Mooney. Right. Mooney wasn't highly drafted, but he produced. Right. So he's going to have. He's going to compete with him. You think he gets 100 targets this year? Because I think that's kind of where I'm at with him. Um, I, I personally don't. Yeah, 100 targets is going to be hard to, to get, yeah. but I think he's probably more in that 70, 80 range. But the air yards might make up for it. He's going <laughs> to get a ton of air yards. Allen Robinson's not, you know, he's not someone that's going to be the huge deep threat. He's more works the intermediate sides of the field. And then Darnell Mooney is the one that goes over the top. He plays that, that Tyreek Hill role in that offense uh, that, you know, Nagy tries to take from the Chiefs. Um, so I, I just, I like Mooney there. I think he's the number two. Cool. Um, and I, I like Fields there um, to be able to upgrade him moving forward. So Mooney got 98 targets last year, though. I didn't know that. So, yeah, that's more than I thought. So, yeah, he, he could. <laughs> he could. I mean, they, they didn't add anything. They didn't add anything that's going to make uh, it go away. Yeah. Instant number two on this team. Yeah. So maybe he could, yeah. And Allen Robinson's <laughs> out next year. He really could be a really nice piece. I mean, they, they should definitely go out and get somebody. But <laughs> Yeah, or they need to extend Robinson. Oh, yeah, extend Robinson. Um, so the next guy was Michael Carter, then Amon Ross St. Brown. Um, with, um, I, I think he's getting, a, he's like Keyshawn Vaughn last year, getting a little overhyped. I, I like him and people are talking about, well, he's going to be this killer slot guy and Jared Goff loves the slot. 
Well, they're wanting to bite kneecaps and have pet tigers and, and run the ball down your throat. I don't think they're going to run a lot of three receiver sets in, you know, in Detroit until the fourth quarter when they're down by 14. Um, he never really was an alpha in college and something that, you know, the analytics guys that have been on the, the show have said, you know, to be a top 24 fantasy producer on your team, you need to be a top producer on your college team. And he never was, he just was always good, but he never was that guy. Even this year when everyone expected him to kind of blow up Michael Pittman left. No, it was London. Well, so, I, I listened to that show with uh PSI. I said, there's like a 3% hit chance here. Uh, it's a COVID year. I think we're going to see a lot more outliers than usual, but, um, and then I know you talked about Detroit's scheme on a prior show too. I think the scheme now changed new coaching staff and he does profile really well with Jared Goff that I do think he will be, that next Robert Woods, Cooper Cup, he'll be that wide receiver two, wide receiver three from like year one. He could honestly lead this class in targets the way that Troy is built right now as a team. Because I, I just don't think, I, I don't think uh, Perryman and Tyrell Williams, Williams yeah, yeah. They, they can't stay on the field. They're not healthy ever. He's gonna be the slot guy, and they're gonna. Would throw, you would you take him or Quintez Cephas, who actually he was someone I think got he didn't get drafted in this exercise, but I think people yeah. forgot about him. I. I would definitely take on Rossi Brown way over him. I'm, I'm on the huge, I'm definitely on the hype train for Rossi Brown. I love his tape. I, I thought he was smart, physical. I, I think he was a complete receiver. I think he was one of the most complete receivers that lacked elite traits, but was really good at everything. So we're going to move it along. Um, Zach Moss, I took next. Um, the Bills didn't really address the running back position. Zach Moss versus Devin Singletary. The reports last year were that the, the coaching staff really didn't, they had a, they didn't love Devin Singletary, and they obviously had an issue with his fumbling in camp. And then you saw it on the field. When Moss was healthy, he was the guy. Um, it's just if he can stay healthy. So I, I fully expected them to get a running back. It would be a fantastic spot for James Robinson. Um, and it would have been for ETN. Yeah, for ETN. <laughs> <a> perfect world. <laughs> and, and they could still get somebody. I mean, people are going to get cut, you know, whenever we get we see cuts here in training camp. You could see some trades. And then there are two big name running backs that may be done, but they're also out there. And that is Todd Gurley and Le'Veon Bell. And some they're probably going to land on teams. I don't know where and what their role is going to be. But if Le'Veon Bell landed in Buffalo, that that would be a pretty good fit. And you know, with with Zach Moss and Devin Singletary as his competition, I, I think the RB one in Buffalo is Josh Allen, though. Yeah, agreed. <laughs> so yeah oh for sure but i definitely rather moss over singletary so i'll definitely say that and then the next guy was was denzel mims we alluded to him a little bit earlier but someone want to take mims and then the next guy want to take tony i'll take mims right here I, i'm out on mims because uh i mean they added Corey davis they're the same size they play the same position they're the same style uh if they liked mims why would they add Corey davis and we all just said elijah moore we all agree that elijah moore's gonna be the virus here one there probably by the end of the year so I think yeah. that makes Mims the number three guy. Um, he might profile well with Zach Wilson style, but again, he's the number three on the Jets. So, yeah, and I'll take Tony here. So I dra I actually drafted Tony um, just because at this point in this draft to get somebody with first round uh, draft capital, I was like, why not? He's got a really good athletic profile. Um, I don't. I, I could see either Sterling Shepard or Ingram being moved off of that Giants team 
pro before the year starts, um, which then opens up Kadarius Tony to be a really good gadget player for them. Somebody that can play in the slot, that can catch 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 balls um, from Daniel Jones, and in an offense that I think is going to be is a little bit slept on right now. I think it has the chance to be a really good offense. Yeah, and so I, I was I was not in my head because I do think Ingram and Sterling Shepard are out. I just don't know if it's this year. Um, Ingram is on a fifth year option, so he's a free agent next year. So I think if the Giants could move him, they would, but I, I they probably would have done that in the draft um, to get more of an immediate need. Gettleman right. knows that this is this is it. This is it. So uh, he's he's going all in this year. He got Kenny Galladay, got a Dory Jackson. He's went out. He's made you know tried to make some moves. Um, he he did trade back to get Tony. Um, and he set you know set the next guy up for you know for some success. Or you know now they have draft capital next year to replace Daniel Jones if they have to. Right. Um, and and I think this is a great spot for Tony where he doesn't have to go in and do too much year one. He can be more like kind of like we talked about with Rondell Moore being the gadget guy, being you know adding some adding some juice to that offense that really, really needed it. The mm -hmm. offense this year is going to be much better than what it was last year. And the offensive line is going to be better than it was last year. So we'll, we'll see, we'll see what ends up being producing, but yeah, you get, if you can get a guy with a first round draft capital here, you got to take it. Um, right. Next, next, oh, go ahead, Mike. Oh, I just want to give like a best case scenario here for Kadarius Tony owners out there. Um, Kenny Galladay wasn't the picture perfect of health last year. I, I think he does have a chance to be number one for some of the season. Um, and if you look at his tape, he does have all the traits. He just needs the coaching. And the Giants have produced some real pass catchers in the past, or at least have picked up some no names and turned him into something like I, I wasn't big on Darius Slayton coming out. And right. they turned him into somebody that was kind of flashy year one. So I think I think Tony could actually surprise people. And to me, when I looked at him, I kind of actually looked at him like Brandon Ayuk. I was out on Ayuk. There's there's Kittle yeah. and Debo there. I don't want Ayuk. I think he slipped to like three eight in one of my rookie drafts. Um, I think Tony's in a very similar situation where he has a very short college profile production, um, but might just land in a spot and just just be that. Yeah. And, and he's extremely guy. raw. He he came in as a as a college quarterback, so he's right. still got a lot of room to grow. So being able to just not have to be the guy year one, learn his way, and then he's the third or fourth option. So he's going to line up against third or fourth corners, and he's going to be able to you know to grow in that offense, and then like. You know, we saw about earlier, Shepard's probably out next year and they're going to slide Tony right into that role. And, um, you know, that's when he's really going to start making his hay. So I, I think it's the slow play. Um, but the way he's being valued at the end of your second, early, early third round, um, I think it's a, it's a good, good play. Um, and then Amari Rogers is next. Amari Rogers goes to the Packers. Um, we don't know what the quarterback situation is going to look like. I, I fully believe Aaron Rodgers will be back, but but I cannot say that because I am not you know, Aaron Rodgers. Um, but Amari Rodgers goes in there. He profiles like a Randall Cobb, and we've seen what players like Randall Cobb do in this offense. They keep trying to get these, you know, fast, you know, tall, these tall, fast receivers, and it's not working out. Um, but getting a guy like Randall Cobb, putting him in the slot and, and having him, you know, having him be the, the run after catch guy is, is really nice. Devonte Adams is going to demand the double teams. You got, you know, the other guys blowing the top off the offense and you're going to see it. Mario Rogers just dink and dunk work in the middle of the field. Um, I, I really think he's someone that he could be a pretty good producer year one doesn't offer a huge upside, 
but they they profile him like a Golden Tate or uh, a Randall Cobb. I've seen some Debo Samuel actually. I I do think he's a value yeah. He guy. could be a running back. They had him running running back drills as pro day, and he's jacked. Okay. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of like I I don't know. I'm fading him. I don't know why I am, but because he's becoming a value. I see him going in like the early third a lot, maybe late second, and I'm like, this this guy's a value at that point. He yeah, does no, that I, I love his value. Yeah, he yeah. steps into number two right away to me. And the last guy is Henry Ruggs. Oh, the mighty have fallen. Um, the fourth <laughs> of the Alabama wide receivers come off the board, almost went undrafted, Mr. Irrelevant. Um, yeah. yeah. So we're, I'm just going to go through how it stacked up before we wrap this thing up. And then, um, and then we're just going to get out of here. So when we look at the quarterbacks, the quarterbacks ended up listing out as Trevor Lawrence, Justin Herbert, Joe Burrow, Justin Fields, Trey Lance, Tua Tagovailoa, Mac Jones, Jalen Hurts, Zach Wilson. Running backs, Jonathan, Jonathan Taylor, Cam Akers, J.K. Dobbins, Najee Harris, DeAndre Swift, C.E.H., Antonio Gibson, Travis Etienne, Javante Williams, A.J. Dillon, James Robinson, Trey Sermon, Michael Carter, Zach Moss. Wide receivers, we had Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase, CeeDee Lamb, Devonta Smith, Brandon Ayuk, T. Higgins, Jalen Waddell, Jerry Judy, Chase Claypool, LaVisca Chenault, Michael Pittman, Elijah Moore, Rashad Bateman, Rondo Moore, Jalen Rager, Gabriel Davis, Terrace Marshall, Darnell Mooney, Amon Ross St. Brown, Denzel Mims, Kadarius Toney, Amari Rogers, Henry Ruggs. Ah, I needed water after this. Uh, <laughs> luckily, the tight ends are small. Kyle Pitts, Cole Komet. Yeah. All right. So um, thank you guys so much for listening and, and watching the videos. Please make sure you subscribe. Leave us a five-star review if you like the show. Comment. Let us know what you guys want to – what kind of content you guys want. And uh, we have Marcus Grant live mock draft tomorrow, 4 o'clock. Make sure you guys don't miss that. And uh, – that's it. Have a good night.